0: This is Optimal Finance Daily, episode 1518, The Seven Deadly Sins of Investing, by Jay Money of BudgetsAreSexy.com. And I'm your host and personal finance enthusiast, Diana Merriam. This is a show where I narrate posts from a wide variety of personal finance blogs. We cover so much on this show, from saving to investing to debt reduction and more. So thank you for joining me today and every day. For now, let's get right to today's post and start optimizing your life. The Seven Deadly Sins of Investing by Jay Money of BudgetsAreSexy.com As I was cleaning up some shelves yesterday, an old copy of Kiplinger magazine fell on the floor bearing the sexy mug of Mr. Warren Buffett himself so I naturally had to flip through it and make sure I didn't miss any of his nuggets of wisdom the first time around. Like, say, this quote of his. I try to buy stock in businesses that are so wonderful that an idiot can run them, because sooner or later, one will. End quote. Zing! Or this one, another popular Buffettism. Rule number one, never lose money. Rule number two, don't forget rule number one. End quote. There were some other gems in there too, but nothing that really actually helps you in the real world. Unless you're brilliant enough to pick apart a balance sheet and or earnings like that beautiful man is. There were, however, a set of seven sins covered in another article that are always worth repeating since they do play an active role in our weekly and monthly investing. And even better, it was written by my dear friend Kathy Kristoff, who you may remember from our wallet crashing series. These seven investing sins are number one, following the herd. Number two, giving into fear. Number three, hanging on too long. Number four, neglecting to rebalance. Number five, making things complicated. Number six, paying too much in fees. And number seven, failing to stick to a plan. Now, I'm not the best example when it comes to investing, as you'll soon see But here's how I'd rank myself in these seven departments, in the spirit of complete honesty. Number one, following the herd. Yes, I definitely do this. Only the herd these days is my mini herd of people, or bloggers actually, who I trust and admire over the general herd out there, like those in the media or Mr. Joe Schmo next door. I'll be the first to admit that I suck at researching and figuring out the stock stuff, So when I hear this inner circle of people talk about the same strategy across the board, like for example, their love of Vanguard and index investing, my ears most definitely perk up. I may not act on it right away so I can come up with my own conclusion over time, but they're the ones I look to over the general public. Number two, giving into fear. I give myself an A plus on this one. Once my money's invested, it's out of sight, out of mind for me. I'll still check on it every now and then, like when I run my monthly net worth reports, but I don't zoom in and see what stock or fund is doing what. I just let it ride and go about my usual business. I like to do all of my thinking and researching once, upfront, and then not second guess it again every other day. But when the market goes down, it's buy, buy, buy more, baby. Number three, hanging on too long. I'm not sure if I've been invested in the market long enough to be able to answer this one, but if I had to make an educated guess, I'd say that I'm prone to hanging on longer than I would the opposite. Mainly, again, because of my do your homework once and then forget about it type mentality. For the better or the worse. Number four, neglecting to rebalance. Okay, now this one I'm horrible at. Again, for all the reasons already mentioned, I don't like thinking about this stuff once it's invested. Now, once I move all my funds into fan Card this year, I'll help a lot with this. I'm considering putting a bulk of my money into a few index funds, but for now, it's all over the place. I just go with the flow and add stuff to it without any care of what I already have. Shame on me, I know, but it's the truth and I'm working on it. Number five, making things complicated. One of the best moves I've ever made by far with my investments has been keeping everything under one roof, that is of USAAs. It'll probably move to Vanguard soon as I've been alluding to, but knowing that you can log into one place and see everything you need to on one screen can really do wonders. If only to be able to check on stuff routinely or make it easy on your significant other who doesn't handle the day-to-day money stuff. I have admittedly made things a little more complicated with my IRA test, where I divided up $180,000 to see which route would be the best. Hint, it was the one that was not actively managed. But that aside, I like to keep my money how I do my life, simple and drama-free. Number six, paying too much in fees. I probably get an F in this category as well, only I really couldn't tell you for sure since I have no idea how much I actually pay you want to run away and stop reading this blog forever now, don't you? I don't know if this is because I feel like USAA is awesome and therefore don't need to worry about that too much, or if I just don't fully understand how much it truly matters. I'm guessing it's more of the latter. But I'll admit, I need to focus on this more to at least get a grasp on what I'm dealing with here. And again, this will change with my switch to Vanguard since it's all clearly labeled and easy to follow and because my mini herd of bloggers continue to rave about this organization and its fees. It's actually harder not to learn about their fees than it is the opposite, which is certainly saying something. Number seven, failing to stick to a plan. Just like with the fees part, I'm not too sure if I have an actual plan per se when it comes to investing. Unless you count investing as much money as possible so I can retire happily one day, an official plan. I can tell you that my risk levels are turned to super aggressive over conservative since I'm relatively young and that I don't plan on touching any of this money for quite some time. But other than that, I don't really have a plan plan. Do you guys have one? If you couldn't tell by now, investing isn't my strong suit. At least in terms of what my money is being invested in. We put in anywhere from 15,000 to 30 grand a year, so I'm definitely doing that right. It's just I could potentially be making more of it if I paid closer attention to the details, something I cringe at. I'm a follower of the 80-20 principle, and once I feel I'm at 80% awesomeness, I tend to stop and move on to the next thing. It's not like my investments haven't been growing at all, you know? You just listened to the post titled The 7 Deadly Sins of Investing by Jay Money of BudgetsAreSexy.com. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com OFD. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y.com OFD for your extended 30-day free trial. I think a lot of these investing sins can be solved by passively investing in low-fee index funds. And I'm definitely following the herd on this one Once I discovered the book, The Simple Path to Wealth by J.L. Collins, I've pretty much settled into that strategy and I don't think about it much anymore. When it comes to fear, I think when you're not actively investing and looking at your portfolio constantly, there is simply less opportunity for fear to creep in. So that's another pro for passive investing. When it comes to the sin of hanging on too long, The first thing I thought of is when people remain aggressive in their asset allocation after they're past the accumulation period. As my friend Frank Vasquez over at Risk Parity Radio says, once you've won the game and reached your financial goals, there isn't much reason to keep playing it. At a certain point, your asset allocation should shift towards preservation and stability rather than stay focused on growth. And for the sin of not rebalancing, I'm like J Money, I don't do it. This is one of the reasons why I have a 100% stock portfolio. There is nothing to rebalance as my asset allocation is all stocks. However, once I'm past the accumulation phase, I will need to add some bonds to my portfolio. And this is where I'm going to need to get over my avoidance of rebalancing. I was surprised at J Money's position on fees as it's been drilled into my mind how much they do matter. But again, a focus on low fee total market index funds solves this issue. What I liked about this article is that it demonstrates that you don't need to be perfect at every aspect of investing to win here. It's all figure outable and you will learn and improve as you go. I know I am. One thing that makes me feel slightly better about any lack I have in being a savvy investor is that I make up for it with the amount I'm investing. I could probably drive myself crazy diving into investing strategies that get the absolute best return But matching the overall market return through index fund investing is going to get me to my financial goals. So spending time and energy trying to beat the market just doesn't appeal to me. Think of it this way. If person A saves $100 with a 50% return and person B saves $150 with a 10% return, who is better off? It's person B. That'll do it for today and another installment of Optimal Finance Daily. Have a happy Thursday. Thank you for being here every day and listening. And I'll see you on the Friday show tomorrow where your optimal life awaits.